Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, intelligent, very hardworking Disney parade and fireworks loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Thank you, sweetie. Hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Saturday, June 24th, 2023, and the episode is actually being released on June 25th, 2023. I know I say this all the time, but man, it's almost the end of June. It's it's crazy. crazy. Half the month is gone. It was the first day of summer already this week. Happy summer, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy, though, how this these days lately have been I, busy, busy, and just flying by. I don't know where the time goes. I, 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 I know I say this all the time, and I know it's a tired thing to say, but it, it just it amazes me <laughs> constantly whenever I have to look at the date when I we know. do these things, that, that so much time has already passed right. in 2023. It seems I like know. we were just getting into the new year not that long ago. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, yep. all right. But here we are. Here we are, yes. <laughs> in other words, move along. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we're on social media. We're at Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we love hearing from you. And if we can help in any way, let us know. Yeah, we always love connecting with you. And yeah. for whatever reason it might be, if you have any questions about the parks, the resorts, just life in general, <laughs> always happy to do what we can and for We may you. or may not be able to really provide you Probably not, but, but you know, we'll, we'll do <laughs> we'll our try. best. We'll do our best. But even if you just want to say hi, we're always happy to hear from you That's for true. sure. Now, before we get into this week's show, you know, we always like to take a look back at the week that was because uh, there's highs, there's lows, there's ups, there's downs, there's twists. It's like a roller coaster every single week. But we focus on the (laughs) highs. We focus on the climbs. We focus on the peak of that before the fun comes. Peak of the week? The peak of the week. No, it's my favorite thing for this week, (laughs) also known as the peak week, week peak, whatever you want to call it. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's wonderful, mm. awesome, all things great. You're about to hear she does the best research. You know she has the best lists. She definitely has the best tips. She always, 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 always has the best my favorite thing from this week as well. So, Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? Well, I think my favorite thing of this week was that we had the opportunity to go to uh, the Vero, Disney's Vero Beach Resort and spend some time there, a couple days there, which was fun. Um, I think a highlight was, though, actually getting to go to see a talk by some uh, a couple of the Disney conservation team and giving us a turtle talk, a real turtle talk. A turtle talk, not just Crush. Crush right. wasn't involved in this turtle talk. It was all about the turtles that are living in Florida. Living and breeding. That's right. Uh, That was my favorite thing from this week as well. We did get out to Disney's Vero Beach Resort for another quick stay because we have quickly fallen in love with that little resort out there 
on the uh, Atlantic coast here in Florida. And it is one of our favorite spots. And we will be going there much more frequently. We have a great time every time we're there. Yeah. It's just such a laid back resort, beach resort vibe. It's just so cool to go there and just sit on the beach, sit by the pool, enjoy a cocktail, enjoy a nice meal, whatever. It's just a lot yeah. of fun. And they also have activities. So if you want sure. to kind of do more things, um, although, again, as Tom mentioned, the beach is right there on the Atlantic coast. It's beautiful. The water's fun and warm and nice most of the time. Um, but yeah, they do have uh, activities throughout the day, whether it's uh, sporting things that you can do, playing tennis or pickleball or basketball, etc. Or if you want to do other types of activities that the resort offers, you know, things from things for kids to do, teens and tweens, on up to some yeah. adults, some whether it's liquor tastings or they also have now at uh, five o'clock, they have some adult only activities in the green. Yeah, games. Yeah, games yeah. and things. Yeah. yeah. Like trivia games and uh, some other games that are fun. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it at length mm-hmm. about a month ago when our last visit, which was our first visit to this resort, and right. we were so taken by it that we spent much of the episode <laughs> talking about the Vero Beach Resort. And so I'm not going to go too far into it this time. Um, but it's just kind of become this thing that like it's it almost feels like a replacement for a short cruise right. is I think what we agree yep. on. The laid back vibe the fact that you have activities to do but you can also really relax if you want to there's a spa on site all sorts Mm -hmm. of great things that you can do if you want we rented a cabana on the beach the prices are really inexpensive to get a a couple of chairs and an umbrella or a cabana um, for the entire day reserved for you for the entire day we did that it was fantastic um, can't wait to get back there again sometime soon. And yes, we did go to that. Uh, they do a talk once a week uh, talking about the the turtles um, mm-hmm. while, while we're in turtle season. I met a couple of the Disney's uh, conservation specialists, the ones that uh, really focus on the turtles. And as a matter of fact, they happen to be people that are within the magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Right. They are stars of that show. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, so. we, we just rewatched episode yeah. two of season two. Um, yeah. The people Caitlin that were, and Danielle. Yeah. The people that were there talking with us. Uh, matter of fact, if you know the episode, the one that um, pulled the turtle, the little baby turtle out of the nest that was kind of left mm-hmm. behind and helped, you know, usher it out to the ocean was uh, the main person that right. was doing the, the discussion uh, during this. So that yeah, was, it was great. Yeah. Very cool. Met some stars. Yeah. <laughs> We're starstruck. De- definitely starstruck. So. so we did receive a, my favorite thing from this week from one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is very exciting. This is from Jonathan from up in Portland. He said, There were so many fun things I could choose from as my favorite thing from this week, but I think I have to go with Father's Day at Disneyland. Wow. I I know, right? (laughs) I wanted to spend a portion of the day doing classic campy dad activities, (laughs) so we went to great moments with Mr. Lincoln, 
rifles at the Frontierland shooting arcade. And to top it off, we sat in Walt's box for a show at the Golden Horseshoe. And he posted a picture on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Right? Yeah. That's so awesome. So happy for him and so grateful that he shared that. Yeah. What a great Father's Day. And uh, I think we're going to hear a little bit more about that trip and that Father's Day. think? Coming up next (laughs) week, possibly. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Nice. Let's get move on to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including several Disney Vacation Club resorts received some high accolades. Mm -hmm. We'll tell you which ones those are. Speaking of awards, a Walt Disney World restaurant was named the best in the entire United States. Mm -hmm. Which one could it be? And there's a change coming to Genie Plus at the Walt Disney World Resort. We'll tell you all about that as well. But that's later. Let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week. As you may already know, of course, we are counting down to the Walt Disney Company's 100th birthday, Mm -hmm. 100th anniversary with our Disney at 100 series. Michelle has been doing such a wonderful job so far, (laughs) providing us with all sorts of great research about the history of the Walt Disney Company. And I think today will be really no different. Michelle, what are we talking about today on our Disney at 100 series? So, you know, we were doing like the decades uh, and This week or this month, the decade that would have fallen in place is the Disney Company of the 1990s, which we've already done a segment Yeah, it's actually one of our most popular episodes. (laughs) Thank you for everybody who's already (laughs) listened to that show. Yeah. So to give a little twist to that, uh, focusing on some parades and fireworks during the 1990s. Very cool. Uh, I like parades. I like fireworks. This Mm. should be fun. And I'm sure I'm going to learn something (laughs) out of this. So Michelle, take it away. (laughs) All right. Well, obviously there's way too much information to discuss about all of them that was going, all of them that were going on during that time. So we're just going to focus on, on several of them today. So the first one though, is one of the most hugely famous and beloved one. Uh, It actually rolled out years before the nineties, but it was still delighting guests during that decade, and that was the Main Street Electrical Parade. Now that'll be in your head all day. Yeah, right? <laughs> but it'll be a good thing. That's right. Well, maybe some other ones will get in your head too we'll as see. we go along. We'll see. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, it had actually uh, begun years before, decades before the 90s. But uh, because it was so popular that at some point during the 1990s, that parade touched every Disney park worldwide. Wow. I know. Pretty cool, Everyone. right? Everyone. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. At some point or another, it was in the different uh, parks throughout the world. 
But let's go ahead and look at some of maybe the lesser known facts about this really beautiful parade. Um, to start out with is that magical soundtrack that Tom just played for us. Uh, originally, the VP of uh, Disneyland Entertainment thought it should be music from Fantasia. Uh, but it was the producer... Uh, his name is Jack Wagner, also known as the voice of the official voice of Disneyland and Walt Disney World back then. Um, he was the one that actually thought it should have more of an electronic sound. And he was the one that discovered the Baroque hoedown on the record album called Spotlight on the Moog Kaleidoscopic Vibrations <laughs> by Jean-Jacques Perret and... Like you didn't Gershon already know that. We know Kingsley. you have that in your collection. I know, already. right? Come on. Don't say you don't. <laughs> so there, he found that and voila, history was made. Um, but when it was time to bring the parade back from a little hiatus, uh, Don Dorsey, who is an audio engineer, synthesis, and designer of shows and parades at Disney Disneyland, thought it needed a little something more in the intro. The original opening of the parade was just, um, and, and you may be able to explain this better. I read it. It's an audio sound effect sweep and a music fade in. Yeah, that's, so that is just a, a, a sound effect, a sweeper noise, essentially, and then fade in with the music would be so it would just be like a, a sting sound, like a boom, oh. or something like that. Right. And then underneath that, dun, 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 the fade in would be the music. I see. It would come up to an, uh, some, some sort of a peak at some point and stabilize. Gotcha. Well, he thought it should be a more of an impressive start. Um, and so he looked for some inspiration. And where do you think he found it? Any ideas? I have no idea. Well, it was Battlestar Galactica, of course. Of course. <laughs> Who hasn't gotten inspiration from Battlestar Galactica? Right? So he said, uh, quote, I heard the Cylon voices and I said, mm -hmm. we need to do that for the parade. So I brought in the idea of processing the voice. So thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, now I'm going to listen to that all differently and think that there's Cylons attacking. Right. Where it starts. <laughs> um, what's also impressive for Don is um, he would use the sound synchronization at the start of the parades, also with light cues. Uh, for the uh, that more dramatic starting effect in what is now called an opening window. And um, so that, I guess, is what allows you to do an intro and get the continuous musical loop in a very seamless way. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, his software designed the very first Mickey track control system, and that's the audio playback system that would cue each of the sound zones throughout the parade mm. route. Um, but when Shanghai Disneyland was opening, uh, there was so much more development in technology. So they decided to do a system redesign and upgrade. And Don was once again called to work with the team for a new version of parade control called the Conductor. Mm. So that was first launched at Walt Disney World, tested on the F Festival of Fantasy, but since then has been rolled out as a standard for all Disney parks worldwide. Wow. Very, very cool. Very creative. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. But there was one other interesting story about this parade, and that is just two weeks before it premiered, it was really a mess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, they had hired a Chicago-based company to build the floats, and by that time, they weren't finished with all the floats and hadn't even started on some of them, in fact. So uh, Disneyland's VP of Entertainment and Director of Show Development made the very bold decision to have the units shipped to California in pieces, and then they had a second set of electricians and technicians to try to get them put together to work mm. and work. And they were successful. Of course they were. Yeah. <laughs> Very successful. <laughs> successful all around the globe. That's right. That's right. So I thought that was kind of a unique um, pre-show. Talk about pre-show jitters. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks before it's going to happen and you're finding out that's, that's some of your floats are not right even. There, yeah. yeah. So. Crunch time. Exactly. So anyways, we're going to move on to another uh, parade route, parade and... This one is Remember the Magic. Now, you may remember those pictures of the very infamous birthday cake castle celebrating Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary. Well, this was... Which some people love and some people really, really don't. Exactly. Well, this was the parade that debuted uh, during that time. Now, um, it also had very memorable song theme song to it um singer songwriter brian mcknight recorded a version that was actually released on cd uh you know those cds that they had with music of the parks mm -hmm. and that was the version that was used it his version was also used in a promo video um that included like glimpses of him singing as well as some parts of the parade and and things that look like memorable moments of people at Walt Disney World. So and by the way for you kids out there CDs are what you know, your parents used to listen to music. On. I know. <laughs> ask your ask your mom and dad about it. They were after the cassette tapes. Yes. <laughs> after the cassette. <laughs> um but anyways, uh, let's take a listen of that version. So, interestingly, he was not the only famous artist to sing that tune. Mm. During Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary TV special, Gloria Stefan also mm. graced their stage with a rendition, which was very much a ballad like that one. Yeah. But for the actual parade, the soundtrack was much quicker and spunky. So let's take a listen of that.
thing that really made this parade unique was that it was the first one to do stop action performance. That's where, you know, the, the parade actually paused in the street and some of the performers would get off mm, the floats mm-hmm. as well. And the uh, some of the guests on the parade route were actually invited mm-hmm. to help, you know, dance along with some of the performers. So I th- thought that was kind of cute. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, yeah that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's head over to Epcot now. Um, There actually was a time when there was a parade around World Showcase. Uh, In the 90s, it was called uh, the Tapestry of Nations. Later on, it became Tapestry of Dreams for the new millennium. Uh, Now, during the show, there were drums that were serving as a human heartbeat. And while the guests were transported uh, on a spiritual journey with a larger-than-life, 20-foot tall, in fact, puppets set to an emotional score. Now, it's not surprising that the puppets used in the parade were pretty impressive Mm -hmm. because they were designed by award-winner puppet designer Michael Curry. Mm -hmm. Now, we people are familiar with his work in a lot of different ways. Um, One few that people might not know is he developed the utility suit in Pandora. Mm -hmm. The Maleficent that are that's used in various Disney parades, and um, oh yeah, those animals of the Lion King on Broadway. Ah, well, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, the music was also pretty incredible. It was by a composer called uh, Gavin Greenaway, and we're going to talk about him more in a few minutes. Um, and the music was actually recorded at Abbey Road in Ooh. London with musicians from the Royal Philharmonic and the London Symphony Orchestra. So uh, let's take a listen to that. So now at the beginning of this main topic, we did say we're going to include some fireworks show. And since we're talking Epcot, let's look at fireworks shows in the 90s at Epcot. Okay. And there's actually one that people know called Illuminations. Heard of it. Yes. That actually had some other versions throughout the 90s. It had Illuminations 25 and Illuminations Reflections of Earth. So let's start with talking about the original OG Illuminations, which debuted actually in 1988 and ran till 1991. Now, uh, the format here was to feature each of the pavilions on World Showcase individually, kind of like spotlighting them, uh, along with music that was associated with that country. Now, um, this version had some familiar classical songs in, in worked into it, like Flight of the Bumblebees and the 1812 Overtures, just to name a couple of them. But um, they also brought in some other familiar songs to celebrate each of the countries that make up World Showcase. So let's take a listen to a couple of those. <laughs> Thank you. 
So Don Dorsey, who we just mentioned uh, was involved with the Main Street Electrical Parade upgrade, uh, was also brought in to work on this project as well. Uh, He said that uh, in an interview, he said, Disney brought the name Illuminations and the idea of adding lights to the pavilions to us and asked us to flush out the rest of the show in the details. (laughs) They had just very little bit to work on there. Uh, So what they decided is to use light screens similar to the ones that are used in the electric water pageant to raise over each of the pavilion roofs to create images such as dragons over the China pavilion and kites over Japan. Now, Don and his team also added some architectural projections to transform the facades of Canada, American Adventure, and Germany. In fact, the Germany projection looked like a Bavarian castle in a whimsical little gingerbread house. Mm. Now, here's a fun fact. Uh, This technically complicated program was barely completed the night before opening and had not yet been fully tested. Now, unfortunately, this resulted in some areas of the promenade going without the show audio or with very extremely low levels. In fact, um, CEO Michael Eisner said uh, he heard nothing at all when he stood in Norway. Um, Mm -hmm. However, despite those opening glitches, the press and the public alike were very favorable to the new show. Um, But it, it, it does show, again, another time where there was down to the wire with the the premieres. And if you recall from talking about Disneyland first opening, we saw that same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a fun pattern to see how Disney company (laughs) works. It's always down to crunch time, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Disney's just like you at your work. (laughs) You're getting down to that deadline. You got to get that stuff together. Exactly. Disney does the same thing. Right. All right. So as I mentioned, uh, there was another rendition of Illumination called Illumination 25. And as you'd expect, that was for uh, the Walt Disney World 25th anniversary celebration. Um, So let's take a listen to a few moments from this show. From my country, please welcome our guests of honor from Canada. And from Europe, diamo il benvenuto ai membri della nostra famiglia italiana. From the land of my birth, Veuillez accueillir nos familles françaises. And from my homeland, begrüßen wir unsere Familienmitglieder aus Deutschland recht herzlich. From the British Isles, please also welcome our family from the United Kingdom. And from my home in Scandinavia, Vadven Leo Unske wurde noch Willkommen. And from Africa, Nawadu Anurahiba min Fadlikum. From the lands of the Orient, From the land of the rising sun, And from my wonderful land, Acompáñenme en darles la bienvenida a nuestra familia de México. And to all of our family members who have traveled here from around the United States, welcome. Now it's time to all come together for a sparkling celebration of Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary, Illuminations 25.
as you can see, it kind of had more of a festive, um, you know, kind of like if you think of Rio or, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of... Very international. Theme, right. Yeah, been so. International, you know, but party, mm -hmm. party kind sure. of theme. Um, We're celebrating 25, you know? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Now, surprisingly, there's really not much history about this show. Um, but for the next rendition, we do have one or two fun facts about that one. Ooh. So that one is... Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. Um, now, it tells the story of humanity in three acts. The Earth is born, the triumph of life, and the hope for the future. Um, by the way, Don Dorsey again was called to help with the development of the show. Um, and during an interview at the 10-year anniversary of the show, he revealed some really interesting facts about it. Mm. He said, first off, you may not know that the voice actor Jim Cummings was the narrator at the beginning of the show. And the parts where he blows out the torches around the lagoon was not in the original script. It was a thought Don came up during the actual recording process. Now, the show launched the most accurate precision fireworks in Disney history. Get it? Ooh. Launched ah, fireworks. See what they did there? Yeah, or yeah. You did there, or I did somebody that. Did I there. did that. <laughs> um, and this is what Don ex explained. He said they created a little computer chip that carried an electrical charge, and on that computer chip, it was a little circuit that had a timer. And Don notes that thanks to that chip and variable air pressure, the timing, accuracy, and height accuracy allowed creative teams to reach new heights. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, here's another fun fact that involves Gavin Greenway that I mentioned a little mm -hmm. bit earlier. Well, with this version of Illuminations, Reflection of Earth, originally Hans Zimmer was hired to do mm. the music. Uh, but he eventually got into a scheduling conflict and recommended a 22-year-old ghostwriter at the time. And Don recalled the moment when he received a copy of Gavin's proposed score. Now, remember, he didn't, he had never heard of Gavin. And he even commented in an interview when he met him, Gavin wasn't taking any notes. And so he was really worried what product was going to come. But he said this, I'm shaking as I get this thing thinking, is this just going to be a horrible moment? Or is there promise here? I put in the CD and started playing the music and I teared up because it was good. It was exactly what we needed. <laughs> so let's take a little listen now of some of that music. So that is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I can see where... Very triumphant sound. Yes, yes, yes. That it fit that, the, the, the theming of that whole show. Mm -hmm. um, now, there was a finale song also included. Uh, it's called We Go On. Now, it did need lyrics. And Don admitted he had never written before, but decided he would take on this task um, after he was inspired by an event that took place during the production of the show. 
And this is what he said in an interview. One of the original producers that had been working closely with us was taken off the project and put on another. I called him from the Dallas airport and we were having this conversation. I said, I know how disappointed you are and I'm really I'm extremely disappointed. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. But we go on. It wasn't until I hung up and had gotten back on the plane that I was ruminating on the idea of we go on and listening to the music thinking, oh, you know what? That is the millennium message. No matter what, we go on. So in case you've forgotten what this part of the show sounds like, let's take a little listen again. Pretty beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, stunning. Yeah. So one more fun fact, and then we have to move on because this is going to take too long otherwise. <laughs> uh, there was another key Disney executive involved in the Illuminations project. Um, that was Vice President of Walt Disney Entertainment, Ron Logan. And he also was interviewed about this process. But one of the things he talked about was actually something that down the road came up in a conversation between him and, and Dorsey. And here's how he said the conversation went. Dorsey said to Logan, we got to fix a problem. Logan, what's the problem? Dorsey, there's one place in the show where the music is not synced with, with the fireworks and what they're doing. Logan, what's the problem? Dorsey, bar 140. Logan, what's the issue with it? Dorsey, it's not synchronized right and it drives me crazy. We missed that one. Logan, well, nobody knows. Dorsey, well, I know. Can we fix it? <laughs> Logan, we don't need to fix it. Dorsey, we need to fix it. So actually, Logan went to bat and went to Eisner, explained the issue to him and said, could we fix it? And Eisner agreed. So this is Logan's quote. We assembled the same musicians along with Gavin Greenaway and recorded 12 bars. One bar was changed from four-fourth bar to a three-fourth bar. It cost us somewhere around $80,000 to fix that section, but it's absolutely perfect now with no mistakes. I don't know what section it's in, but we all know that it's fixed. Wow. I know, I know. So I, I thought that really reflected on how one, 
how invested mm -hmm. these people are in these shows and being to the best that they can be. Um, and also how invested the company is to make it the best it can be. Right. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And we all have been there. I mean, you've done something, made something, and no one else, everything else is like, well, it sounds great. It's fine. Right. Like, no, it's like, I get enough of this from the show. But there's that one little mistake yes. that every time I listen to it, I'm like, I can hear it every single time. Right. No one else notices it exactly. unless you point it out to them. Right. But it's there, and you know it's there, and you want to try and fix it. So I get it. I yeah, get it. Yeah. Of course, I didn't spend that kind of money right. to fix anything we've done on our show. But. Exactly. But anyways, thought that was pretty cool. Very good. All right, let's move on now back to a parade, and that is Spectral Magic. Uh, now, this was a parade that the Magic Kingdom rolled out in 19, late 1991. Uh, it was... It was designed so that the Main Street Electrical Parade could actually travel over to Disneyland Paris uh, and help kickstart the 20th anniversary celebration at Walt Disney World. Um, now, Spectral Magic used more fiber optics than the Main Street Electrical Parade and added some new characters. Um, now, interestingly, eight years after it had been going on, that parade, Spectral Magic, had ended briefly to let the Main Street Electrical Parade come back <laughs> to the Magic Kingdom. Um, but that was just for a couple of years. And then Spectral Magic, Magic returned for an additional nine years running. Mm. Now, personally, I remember this parade the most as one of you know, the first ones that stick out in my mind. And um, the characters at the beginning of the ride, they were, these, they were riding on these giant balls. Um, they were officially named by the company as Spectral Men. Um, they seemed a bit freaky to me, <laughs> kind of <laughs> like weird clowns. Okay. Uh, I know, but I eventually learned to love them. But one of the most impressive displays on the parade, in my humble opinion, I should say, was the night on Bald Mountain scene, uh, which is a from the classic Fantasia. Mm -hmm. um, on the parade route, it had it would pause and begin to unfold its wings. And it was so impressive looking. Uh, I looked it up. It had a 38-foot wingspan. Wow. I know. Um, but despite not feeling great at first about the Spectro Men, from the very beginning, I love the music. And so let's check that out. On this magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a spell of light. Glimmering, shimmering, carousel. The spectacle, the sparkling sensation, where the romance, the comedy, and the thrill of Disney fantasies come to electric life. Magic Kingdom proudly presents, in a million points of musical light, the magical worlds of Disney in Spectral Magic.
yeah, you can see how that, you know, is an upgraded version of the an electrical parade. <laughs> it's a little different, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and festive sounding as mm-hmm. it was celebrating the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. So for our last exploration here, let's look at fireworks again and the fantasy in the sky fireworks. Um, now, obviously, they started decades before the 90s in Disneyland. In fact, it was 1956 when it started <laughs> at Disneyland. Um, these were the fireworks, though, that were timed to coincide with the music soundtrack that played throughout. Um, and Tinkerbell, as we know, would be a part of the show. She started her nightly flights in 1961. Um, now, Fantasy in the Sky fireworks, though, was at Walt Disney World since their opening in 1971. So what I found interesting is that in the 1990s, that was still the show that mm-hmm. was remaining. Ran, for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as we've heard throughout this episode here, uh, fireworks shows at Epcot were you know, really the big focus for use of technology and innovations, um, but the Magic Kingdom really kept the heart of the Disney films in their traditional approach through fantasy of the fire, mm. fantasy in the sky fireworks. Um, now the the show had been updated over the years, uh, and as other parks introduced the show, uh, they added some of their own cultural flair. Some of their the musical instruments to play some of the songs were more unique to the to the different countries where it was was uh, focused in Um, but let's take a moment here just to appreciate some of the magic that was heard in the 90s if you believe and wish hard enough you too will see the magic of tinkerbell as she lights this evening's performance of fantasy in the sky you can see kind of the sound was that a very traditional Disney songs Mm -hmm. and Disney sound to it Um, the other interesting part here is Tinkerbell starts the show whereas in the shows that came later on Tinkerbell kind of put the ribbon at the end of Mm -hmm. the show so thought that was cool Um, some special extended versions of fantasy in the sky fireworks were presented um, during the 4th of July and New Year's Eve celebrations Mm. Um, but another unique thing about this fireworks show is that when the Disney parks were closed due to the pandemic um, Disney Park blog streamed the recorded version getting emotional (laughs) (laughs) To ring in the new year of 2021. I know. So I thought that was cool. Uh, But fortunately, New Year's Eve of 2021 to 2022, they were able to return to their live streaming once again. Nice. Yeah. Very good. So anyways, that is a look back at some of the parades and fireworks 
in the 90s. Very nice. Yeah, just a handful of them, but all very good. I believe the only thing that I've seen, I've seen Fantasy in the Sky um, at some points, mm-hmm. including when we went to Throwback Night, they re-brought out uh, Fantasy right. in the Sky yeah. at Disneyland. Um, I've seen uh, Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. Mm-hmm. I've not seen any of the other Illuminations. And of course, I've seen the Main Street Electrical Parade many, 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 many right. times, and I love it. Right. All the rest, I've never seen, so it's mm. good to hear you know, some interesting information about them, get a little piece of them. And of course, learn something new as I always do many, many new things this time. Michelle's research is always the best research. Well, thank you very much, sweetie. And uh, yeah, um, I think one of the other things I forgot to mention is Illuminations also had versions during the holiday season as well. I think I've seen the the holiday version Mm -hmm. of Reflections of Earth as well. Right, right. But anyways... Very cool. Very Thank good. Uh, what you. are we going to be focusing on for the next edition next month of Disney at Um So we're, I'm thinking what we're going to do is go back to the decades review and and go to the Disney company in the 2000s. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. I like it. Thank I like you. it. I love this uh, series. Um, <laughs> as we're counting down to the Walt Disney 100th birthday, Walt Disney Company's 100th birthday, um, this is really interesting stuff. And like I said, I, I, I just love Michelle's research. She does such a great sweet. job. So Thank you. And thanks thank for you, your sweetheart. help with all the sound. Yeah. I do what I can. Very little. Push the button. <laughs> no, just no. push the button. Thanks again to Michelle for another fantastic (laughs) history lesson going through the various different parades, both nighttime and daytime parades that Disney has put on, as well as some of their nighttime fireworks spectaculars. It's always kind of cool to go down memory lane. And once again, I learned stuff that I had, I I didn't know I didn't know. (laughs) Well, thank you for putting all those sound bites together. That was a lot of work, and I appreciate that. You found all the sound bites. (laughs) I just played them. Pretty easy for me. Uh, The one part of the reason why I love Michelle's research pages these weeks, pretty easy for me. I just sit back and learn something and push a button every once in a while. You're funny (laughs) and sweet. Let's go ahead and get to our Disney stories of the week. I have a few for you this week. I'm going to start with several Disney Vacation Club resorts received high accolades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This from the Disney Parks blog. They said six of the beautiful Disney Vacation Club resorts have been recently recognized by readers of Travel and Leisure Company's 15 Best U.S. Resorts for families, this going back to the year of 2022, so obviously we're halfway to 20, 2023, but looking back at 2022 and what they were voted on. Uh, so out of 15, like I said, there were six of them uh, that made it in. Wow. I'm going to go down them here and tell you where they ranked. At number five is Olani, a, a Disney resort and spa, of course, in the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Uh, Like I said, that made number five. At number nine was Disney's Grand Californian Hotel in Anaheim, the Disneyland Resort. Another one of our favorites. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It is. It's great. Speaking of one of our favorites, we just mentioned it. Number 10, Disney's Vero Beach Resort in Vero Beach, Florida, of course, uh, made that slot. At number 12, Another non-park Disney resort, Disney's Hilton Head Island Resort in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, 
made that spot on the list. Back to the park resorts, though. At number 13 is Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, of course, at Walt Disney World Resort. Right. And at number 14 was Disney's Beach Club Resort, also at Walt Disney World. Yeah. So all great spots for right. families. They had a lot of other great um, hotels around the country that were seemingly wonderful spots, but six Disney resorts making it. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is. That is really awesome. Not too surprising, but pretty awesome. Yeah. I was a little surprised. I mean, we love Disney's Vero Beach Resort, but a little surprised it was ranked right. at number 10 yeah, in the entire so United States for families. Right. I mean, I don't disagree with it. I'm just a little, I wasn't expecting to see it on this list so high. Right. Exactly. I, I agree. It was, it was kind of a surprise think to to think that that one would be included right but, i just yeah. kind of i kind of feel it flies under the radar right, i mean right. I, I was in the lobby just this last visit and there was a guy there he's like i was talking with and he's like yeah i'm a former cast member i've been a cast member for years i just found out that this place <laughs> even exists and i love it i'm like wow you know yeah. so um like i said i just think it flies under the radar everybody goes they fly to florida we're right. going to you know when you're a disney fan you're going to walt disney right. world you don't necessarily think of this place you may want to think about it more. Right. Definitely. Pretty if you're cool. going to do a cruise. You're, you know, I mean, it's not super duper close, but it's pretty close. And yeah, it's, a, um, it's about the same time really? distance to go to Port Canaveral from there as it is from Walt Disney World Resort, mm -hmm. give or take maybe five, 10 minutes, but it's pretty close. But gotcha. either way, if you're looking for, you know, something, something that's missing from your Disney vacation and maybe it's some beach days, maybe right. you need to sell your spouse or some other family members on something that they right. might enjoy to go to, you know, a Florida vacation, that might be the spot for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of awards, a Walt Disney World res restaurant was named the best in the entire United States. Which wow. one could that be? Hmm. Well, this came from WFLA.com. They said an Orlando restaurant topped the list of the best award-winning restaurants in the United States. This according to a report by TripsToDiscover.com. The travel website said it evaluated three-star Michelin, five-star Forbes, and AAA Diamond Award restaurants by using customer reviews and ratings from Google and TripAdvisor to come up with this list. And topping the list is Walt Disney World's Victoria and Albert's. Yeah, that's kind of what I would have guessed, but yeah. definitely, yeah, that's uh, awesome. That's, that, that's high. I mean, we're considering that they went through... Three-star Michelin, right. five-star Forbes, triple-A diamond award-winning restaurants that, you know, you throw that all together. And sure. Victoria and Albert's still came out on top. Uh, that is pretty impressive. A quote from the article describes the elegant, ultra-fine dining establishment as, quote, a crowning jewel in the culinary world. This restaurant proudly wears its five-star badge from Forbes Travel Guide and Triple A five diamond honor with grace and elegance. Victoria and Alberts is a highly regarded destination with the vast majority of reviewers describing the experience as fabulous, memorable, and perfect. Reviewers highly praise the acclaimed tasting menu that caters to specific dietary needs, end quote. So yeah. um, we have not eaten there yet. Right. Um, at some point we may. It's a bit pricey, yeah. but everybody walks away from there and says, 
I'm glad I did it. Yeah. You know, despite that price tag, I'm glad I did right. it. Right. So, Definitely like a bucket list right. kind of thing. At some point, maybe we'll get those uh, Disney Visa yeah. miles well, points together and uh, use those rewards to purchase us a nice meal right. there at uh, Victoria and Albert's. So right. very cool. Uh, finally, one more story for you. There's a change coming to Genie Plus at the Walt Disney World Resort. This as reported on Twitter by at Scott Gustin, who, if you're on Twitter, um, definitely follow him if you're mm-hmm. interested in Walt Disney World or just Disney news in general. He is pretty much on top of it yeah. all the time. Uh, he said, beginning on June 27th, so just a couple days from now as, as we're dropping this episode, Walt Disney World will introduce park-specific Genie Plus. Guests purchasing Genie Plus will select either a single park or multiple parks option. So you'll you'll have your choice now if you're deciding to go and and purchase Genie Plus uh, coming right. up here in the very near future. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. You know, so like if you do if you don't have Park Hopper, it's good to have that. I'm sure the price will right. be yes. The price is different based on what park you're choosing. So, um, and also on what day it's selected, just as it has been with Genie Plus um, for now for a little while. Uh, the multiple parks, like this is for it, the first day it would be in effect, um, which would be June 27th. For multiple parks, the price is $27. It will also be that same price if you decide to purchase it for Magic Kingdom just for the single park there. So right. eh, maybe yeah. you do the multiple parks just in case you, if you have a park hopper right. ticket, just in case you want to. Uh, meanwhile, on that same day, Disney's Hollywood Studios would be $24 for the single park. Epcot on that day, $18 for the single park. Mm-hmm. And Disney's Animal Kingdom, $16 for that day. So, you know, yeah. I, I think it's warranted because obviously, definitely for Magic Kingdom, but also Disney's Hollywood Studios, it's, it's attraction-based right. parks you're probably going to be wanting to go on more attractions. It makes Genie Plus more worthy. Right. Uh, you know, when you're going to Epcot and Disney's Hollywood, or excuse me, Disney's Animal Kingdom Park, eh, you know, there's some good attractions right. there, definitely. But do you need Genie Plus to, to book them? Do you not? Right. Uh, this gives it a little bit more balance in the right. possibility. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. Right. Uh, by the I way, know. one caveat to this is that if, uh, Genie Plus sells out in any one of those parks. Mm-hmm. It also sells out for the multiple parks package. Mm-hmm. So know that if you're thinking about it, like if it sells out Genie Plus for Magic Kingdom on a day, oh, you sure. can't purchase a, a multiple parks one to kind of make that price right. of it. So, right. And of course, if you're doing the multi multiple parks one, you're going to want to, like I mentioned before, have a park hopper ticket or an annual pass that allows you to park hop or right. whatever it might be. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, one good person who can help you out with all these situations if you're concerned about Genie Plus because it can be a bit confusing is, of course, our favorite certified Disney vacation planner, Nate, because believe me, every time something changes with Genie Plus, with Walt Disney World, with Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, he is on top of it. He always jumps on it and knows exactly what to do. And he could walk you through it step by step. Right, Michelle? Right. And there's no additional fees for that. If you're purchasing your vacation uh, through his services, it's it's the same as if you were to purchase these through Disney website directly. Right. A Disney pays him to do all this for you. Whatever you price you would have paid if you just went online and went and tried to figure it all out yourself, it's the same price. 
he might even be able to find you a better discount than you can find online. That's just how good Nate is. Yeah, yeah. And as we've said before, he he actually gets out there and goes to the resorts, goes to the parks and can talk firsthand, answer your questions with that information right at his fingertips. Right. I mean, he just, he's always studying up on this stuff. He's always out at the parks. So he knows his stuff going in. And that's why he can give you this concierge level service, which we're, we, we heard us talking about Victorian Alberts a little bit ago. <laughs> right. We're always about concierge level service, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's easy to find him. You just go to distripsandmore.com and fill out the form there. And, and then he'll contact you, right? Right. And then, uh, get things rolling there. But uh, also be sure to tell them that Tom and Michelle sent you. For sure. Again, that's Nate with Main Street and More Travel. One of the best certified Disney vacation planners you'll find. Exactly. Exactly. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. Oh, wait, wait. Michelle's giving me the finger again. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) not that finger. (laughs) She has a Disney story. And we always know Michelle has the best stories. So Michelle, you tell us what Disney story of the week you have. I actually have two. Oh, I know. Boy. I know this one of them. I well, thought I didn't even bother to take the time to do mine. I know. No, I was, I was actually waiting because I thought for sure you were going to uh, mention just this little piece of information that, you know, we've been talking about Rogers, the musical going to um, Disneyland resort at Disney California adventure. Um, we're very sad that we're not going to get, get to see it, but <laughs> um, it, it is running June 30th to August 31st. The great thing about this, though, is they are going to have complimentary virtual queues that you can join to see these shows, which is really great. So you're not spending time actually in line waiting to uh, get in there. So um, the queues will begin at 1030 in the morning. This is all Pacific time because you'll be in the Pacific Coast <laughs> uh, for the first two shows of the day and then 2 p.m. for the remaining shows of the day. So just want you to be aware of that. There's also a package you can purchase um, until yeah. they're sold out that will get you some items. It gets you like a, a popcorn bucket and something and a, a reserved a spot in the reserved area right. that you can get into as well that looked pretty cool. And there's some new food and uh, interesting items. I, yeah. I think there was like a pretzel pastrami sandwich <laughs> or dog or something that I was like, oh man, so jealous about so many things I about know. us not being out there at Disneyland for um, Rogers the Musical. I'm hoping they end up extending it past right. that date. Yeah, bring it or, back. Hey, or hey, you know, we're on a Marvel Day at Sea cruise next year. Yeah, why don't you bring it right. on to the, the Disney dream with us there? Exactly. That yeah. would be so cool. Yeah. But so that's, cool. yeah. Um, hopefully everybody gets out there and enjoys it. Can't wait to hear reviews of it. Yeah. Same season. Same uh, My other story, I actually uh, gave a little bit of the information to those of you who subscribe to the newsletter. Um, but I, I didn't want to get too wordy in there and figured share some more information about that here. Uh, It relates to Disneyland Paris that on July 15th, they're rolling out a brand new stage show at the Walt Disney Studios Park called Together, a Pixar musical adventure. Um, And obviously they're going to have all the great 
Pixar characters there. Uh, and, and what Disney does so well is storytelling. And it, to me, this sounded like a great concept of a story. Uh, the background here is there's a child named Charlie. He has a tremendous love for music. Uh, in fact, he dreams of being the conductor of an orchestra for his school's end of year gala. Um, but unfortunately, the sheets of music get lost before the gala. Uh, and while he's sleeping and dreaming, Woody and his Toy Story gang join forces together and go through all different various Pixar stories to help find these. And so bringing in the characters from other Pixar movies. The other thing that's really great is the music that they put to this, because it is a musical, obviously, is uh, during the show, there's actually eight musicians that are playing live, but they're playing alongside a score that was recorded with uh, 54 musicians for that symphonic sound there. Um, and it is really to help give you that immersive show experience as well. So uh, in addition to this great uh, quality music, they have high technology. They're using um, full-sized mobile decoration standing over 20 feet tall and nearly a hundred feet wide. Those wow. are some huge, huge, That's some huge set pieces. Yeah. Yes. Um, and nearly 5,000 square feet of led screens, floor to ceiling and uh, over 200 spotlights. Uh, and they're, they're really claiming this is going to be the most immersive stage show uh, ever at Disneyland Paris. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I hope that uh, sticks around and is still playing when we get out there. We haven't booked anything yet, but mm -hmm. we're looking at uh, 2025 of getting out to Disneyland right. Paris. Well, that's, that show sounds amazing. I, yeah. hope it, I hope it's still out there and running uh, when we get out there at, uh, at that time. Yeah. And they're even, you know, obviously Disney always... Um, accents their shows with um, food and merchandise. Of course. Um, but what's really cool is, yeah, they're, they're going to have some really special treats. As, as the article said, it's sure to make everyone say, mine, mine, mine. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, but uh, yeah, they're going to have a couple food trucks out there. The, the things, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the ones that really called out to me was the Slinky Corn Dog <laughs> and the Infinity and Beyond Eclair. Oh. I know. There you go. You're, you're very much a dichotomy of like, you like this fancy Eclair? <laughs> I know. And then the Corn Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Different echelons. <laughs> very flexible in yes, my eating. There you go. I like it. Like I, taste. As I mentioned, Michelle's stories <laughs> always the best stories. Speaking of the best from Michelle, it's time to get more of the best from Michelle. Mm. And you know she does the best research. You heard that already. Apparently, she has the best Disney stories. <laughs> she has the best lists. She definitely has the very best tips. So let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. <laughs> You're so kind. Well, my tip really has to do, some people may already know this, but you know, if you are making reservations at a Disney resort and you want adjoining rooms, uh, it's, it's really pretty easy to contact them and let them know this at uh, the time that you're making your, your hotel arrangements. Um, what you could do is you can send an email request to them and they actually have the email link at the Disney World website. Um, you could just do a search, but it's at disneyworld.disney.go.com backslash help backslash email backslash. Um, but you could, yeah. Did you write all that down, everybody? Just never help email after the Disney thing. <laughs> the Disney 
or you can call um, and just call uh, the resort information line and, and they'll connect you with that as well. But, um, and then when you're doing, the thing to remember though is when you're doing the online check-in, advanced check-in, um, you wanna make sure that you don't confuse them by you know, putting your request as saying something next to the lobby, for example, where if you want your other adjoining room request to supersede it, just leave it mm -hmm. without any special requests for your online check-in. There you go. Very good. Yeah. You can also chat online with Disney. Yeah. And That's worked and for us DVC. in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. Michelle's tip. Always the best <laughs> tip. Uh, my tip this week is, you know, well, as much as you, you love to stay at those deluxe resorts with all the amenities, including the fine spas, you know, sometimes maybe you want to stay, you know, pay a little bit less, maybe stay somewhere like a moderate resort or, you know, one of the, the value resorts. And those don't always have those spas that are attached with them. But you know what? Sometimes you're on this vacation, you really, really want a spa day. Yeah. Well, I have good news for you that even if you are staying at one of those resorts that doesn't have one of those wonderful spas, there are still a couple of places at the Walt Disney World Resort where you can still get some good spa nice. time. A couple of those are, for one, probably the upper echelon of them the grand floridian spa disney's grand floridian resort will also will actually take reservations for people who are not staying at that resort uh if you want to book there you can check the availability and make a make a reservation right online at the grand floridian spa page within the walt disney world website there's also the Mandara Spa located inside Walt Disney World's Dolphin Motel or Motel Hotel. It's not a motel. <laughs> hotel. Uh, and if you want to book there, they actually are a separate company that does spas kind of around the world. Uh, you can go to uh, mandaraspa.com and just look up um, Walt Disney World and they'll, they'll, you can book and look on a bit, check availability and book right there on that website as well. But just a couple of locations. Let's just say you're at All Star Movies, right. but you know, you need to save some money there and you want to put that money towards somebody someplace else, like a nice facial or massage right. or a pedicure. Yeah. Um, these are a couple places you can take advantage and do that. Very good. Thanks. Yeah, that's great, honey. I love that tip. Thanks. I think that was the better tip. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Probably is a tip you've actually done before and I stole it from you. So. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this week's show. Next week, well, as we told you a couple of weeks ago during our five-year anniversary episode, one of the real negatives about moving to Florida is we haven't been able to visit Disneyland and check out a lot of the new experiences over the last year. Right. Well, luckily, a few of our favorite Hyperion adventurers uh -huh. just returned from a trip to the happiest place on Earth. Of course, we're talking about Jonathan Camille and Lorelai Cotton, our cutest Hyperion adventurer. Yeah. They agreed that they will come on the show and talk a little bit about Disneyland since we haven't been there in a while and we want to get back up to speed on what's going on there. Uh, they're going to discuss all the 
recent fun and experiences they checked out while they were out there at the happiest place on earth. Yeah, they, um, you know, we've been following them obviously on social media and they, they've done a lot of great, wonderful, fun things. So it's going to be awesome hearing from them. They're amazing people that we love to talk with anyways. And, and they've been on the show before and they really share a lot of great wonderful information and tips. Yeah. Uh, they know their stuff. Mm-hmm. They already said they've been checking out. They knew they were possibly coming on the show and taking note of all the new experiences yeah. and everything so they can talk about it. It's good because we're setting up for our trip next January back to Disneyland for right. the first time. And almost actually by that time, it'll have been uh, about a year and a half, a little mm-hmm. more than a year and a half since right. we will have been there. So that's exciting. So can't wait to hear about all the stuff going on mm-hmm. at Disneyland from uh, the Cottons. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. As for this week's show, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we're on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please tell a friend or family member about this podcast. Yes. You know what? We haven't gotten a review in a while. It's I been know. a little bit. I appreciate everybody who's already given us a review because they've all been wonderful. Yeah. And we really, really appreciate that. But, you know, I think we're due for another new review. If you haven't given us a review, we would love it if you would go on to whatever your source is, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, wherever it is. Give us a review, review. preferably a (laughs) five-star review, but you do what you think is right. Uh, And if you give us a review, we will read it on the show, of course. Right. And again, thanks to everybody who has already done it. If you give us a five-star review. Well, that's true. If you give us a one-star review and start telling us how terrible we are. <laughs> We're probably not going to read that. Yeah, we may not read that. Maybe we will. Maybe, maybe it'll be so ridiculous we might read it. You Could never be. know. You never Don't know. try it, though. <laughs> Don't you do it. Hey, I'm watching you over there. Don't you do it. Get that, put that finger on that five stars, not that one star. We got to go. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Bye.